I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Each fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening. Plant care, pest control, garden design, growing your own fruit and vegetables and expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Jan Lambourne, one of the team who work in the fruit gardens here at RHS Wisley in Surrey. Coming up in this edition of the podcast... Plantsman and grow-your-own expert Matthew Biggs has some invaluable tips for those of you thinking of planting some vegetables this year. He'll be discussing reliable varieties and foolproof techniques for a great first crop. We'll be looking at how you and your family can get involved in National Gardening Week. And the RHS team of advisors will be tackling gardening questions asked by visitors to the recent RHS Great London Plant Fair. But first, with spring weather hopefully just around the corner, let's find out what's been happening in the garden at RHS Wisley. I'm Matthew Pottage, garden manager at RHS Gardens Wisley. So some of the next things we're looking at now in the garden is we're going to be revisiting a lot of our buddleias, a lot of our buddleia davidii varieties. It's known as a butterfly bush. Really good, fast-growing, easy shrub, summer flowering. And what we did with that in the autumn time was just reduce the height of it so the wind doesn't rock it around in the ground. They're not terribly well-rooted things. But now we're going back to them and doing the final prune. And we do take these quite hard to the ground. I'm taking this down almost to about 30 centimetres high to a very woody base. But that will then regenerate with very strong, very fresh shoots. And it's the tips of those fresh shoots that be flowering for us uh, later in the season. Our rewards of doing it this hard and this, this drastic almost would be really long, fresh wand-like growths they can reach up to about two three meters long in the summertime and then the flowers on the ends of these stems are almost 15 to 30 centimeters long they're these huge panicles and they can be dark purple they can be blue they can be pink or they can be white this particular one is a lovely rich dark blue and the butterflies love them hence the common name the butterfly bush they're a brilliant source of nectar so if you're into having a few wildlife friendly plants in your garden it's one to consider um hi so i'm sean harkin i'm the team leader for the herbaceous ornamental section of of Whistley. and um, so at the moment and um, the sun's come out even though it's been 
it's been awfully cold um, and we've we've started cutting back all our winter stems. The cold weather has has held things back. If we look at, I make a note generally and ask my team to, all the gardeners, to make a note of when things come into flower each year and how long they're flowering for and certain things. I mean, the mag- magnoles are starting to come out, but only a few stellatas and, and there was much more, we were much more further gone last year if we think back to the same point and the same with certain cherry blossom and things like chamomilies, the daffodils, the narcissus and there still is colour coming out in the garden, it's just much slower than it would be compared to last year so that's holding us back in that sense I mean it's helping us out in terms of weeds <laughs> um, because of their being held back to a certain extent um, but the soil is, is still cold it's still quite a good time to plant trees and shrubs while there is still some moisture and it hasn't warmed up too much but we'd usually be on top of things like mulching as well but with late frosts and the sort of soil being so cold um, certain areas we haven't been able to get on top of that yet so National Garden Week's coming up and for that the RHS has a focus on meadows and in conjunction with that here at Wisley we're sowing a South African perennial meadow with James Hitchmo from the University of Sheffield. So he's one of the people behind them, the amazing displays at the Olympic Park. Next week he'll be coming down with two of these PhD students and me and my team will be We'll be sowing by hand seed and lots of it collected wild in South Africa and mixed in with sawdust into a layer of sand which needs to be about 75 millimetres deep um, across an area. After that point, if it doesn't rain, we'll need to make sure that water gets to those seeds so we get good germination rates. But after that point, we won't water that area again. So this summer, it probably won't look that amazing, but next summer, it'll look really amazing. So yeah, come down and watch us at it. Hello, my name's Alexis Pym. I'm the Learning and Families Manager at RHS Garden Wisley. And we have the fantastic rainbow theme across all four gardens this Easter. So running right until the 14th of April, we have the rainbow activity trail, sow and grow planting activities, craft activities, all sorts of events and things to go around all of the gardens. So whether you're looking for certain coloured eggs or whether you want to grow your own rainbow coloured flowers, all of that is possible. In the next couple of weeks here at Wisley, in particular, we are making petal rainbow hats. We're making a giant willow rainbow sculpture. We have music all about the different colours of the rainbow and we've got storytelling. So all sorts of exciting things. Also, during National Gardening Week, we have uh, careers days where you can learn all about having a career in horticulture and in addition you can do some planting activities. At RHS Garden Wisley, you can even make your own ladybird seed bombs. Thanks to Sean, Matthew and Alexis here at RHS Garden Wisley. You can find more details about National Gardening Week, which runs from the 15th to the 21st of April, on the RHS website, rhs.org.uk. I'm Jan Lambourne and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. April is a key time for gardeners who want to grow their own fruit and vegetables. The popularity of growing your own keeps on increasing as more and more people become interested in reducing both their food costs and their food miles. It is possible to grow a decent crop without too much time or effort and you don't even have to have a garden. Growing fruit and vegetables can give quick results and is an activity that all the family can enjoy. My granddad grows vegetables. In his garden he grows strawberries, he grows tomatoes raspberries after a week or so he likes to pick them off and eat them for dinner my mum grows vegetables and i help her she grew corn in our garden which is very hard and um they're really yummy 
and um, my granny also grows um, vegetables and fruit but she she has a very big garden so she has like a kitchen garden we have green beans purple beans leeks and potatoes and granny usually freezes lots of the raspberries so we so we can have them in the winter this month is the perfect time to give it a try so we caught up with vegetable expert matthew biggs to get his advice on how to get started One of the most exciting things to happen in gardening over the past few years is people's growing interest in Grow Your Own. And there are so many good reasons for doing it. One is you can choose the varieties that you grow. You can choose when you grow them. You can go and harvest fresh vegetables. And nothing tastes quite like harvesting it from the garden and then taking it straight onto the plates and eating it. So that is really good too. What you'll need is the space to grow. Now you might have space in your garden. You could perhaps dedicate even a square meter will grow lots of small crops like spring onions and early carrots and lettuces. Growing bags are excellent too for tomatoes though you have to be careful how you water them. Peppers will grow in there and some of the smaller crops like the leafy crops like uh, small cut and come again lettuces. Now the idea of cut and come again is that you allow them to grow normally so they're about three or four inches high then you cut them with a pair of scissors when you sow them you make sure they're just about a centimetre or so apart so you've got them really growing densely and keep them well watered so that's a a really easy crop to grow in growing bags strawberries grow really well um, in those conditions too so just use your imagination I grow all my own vegetables I like them all I mean I I like my sweet corn and my potatoes my peas my carrots I've always fancied growing my own vegetables, what with the price of them in the supermarkets, but I've never got enough time, not enough space, and I don't know the first thing about it. So if you want to grow your own, how do you go about it? First of all, you, for example, get some soil. You need something to grow them in. Now, that may be a dedicated area of the garden, even only a metre square, or you could grow vegetables amongst your flowers, as the old cottage gardeners used to do. If you don't have soil, then you can have raised beds. You could make your own raised beds or you can buy them or grow vegetables in containers, for example. Just large flower pots are more than adequate. If you haven't got any ground space, then look upwards. Grow them in hanging baskets, tumbler tomatoes, even beans and peas trailing down rather than growing up. Small vegetables like beetroot or turnips which are harvested when they're about the size of golf balls rather than allowed to mature they will be excellent too and don't forget beetroot make excellent leaves for salads three of the most popular plants to grow uh, for the summertime are tomatoes of course they're wonderful in they need a if you can grow uh, if you can get outdoor varieties in the sheltered sunny spot and if we get a nice warm summer they will grow Uh, perfectly well grow them in uh, growing bags because that makes uh, life very easy make sure that you just put a couple in a growing bag and some of the growing bags that you buy don't have as much compost as they would really need so if you stand them vertically pick the growing bag up stand it vertically fold the end corner over and then lay them down you get a greater depth of soil and that really does help your uh, when you grow them uh, lettuces people love salads and if you sow lettuces you can grow it on a grow them on a small scale again sow some lettuces when they start to germinate they start to come through the ground then sow a few more when they've started to germinate sow some more and that means that you'll get a succession of crops they're easy to grow what about a great big courgette in a pot 
that makes a lovely ornamental plant. Uh, you can buy them from the garden centre, start them off as small plants, make sure they're kept watered well, uh, and also if they're growing in containers, uh, keep them well fed too. Start them off with a general fertiliser when you sow them that means that they will get all the goodness that they want and then change to a tomato fertiliser which encourages flowering. Something else which is gorgeous to grow uh, is sweet corn. Now sweet corn again you can buy rather than sowing them from seed they need to be planted out once there's no danger of frost has gone Uh, they need warmth and sunshine and rather than planting them in long rows plant them in blocks together uh, at least uh, six in a block because they're wind pollinated so the wind then will blow the pollen from one plant to another now if there's ever a plant that needs to to have uh, the produce eaten fresh it is sweet corn it's always said that you get the pot of water boiling and then take them straight from the plant to the pot to get the best flavor once you've tasted your own sweet corn you will never want to buy them from a shop again If you want to grow plants from seeds, then obviously you can go to the garden centre, have a look, mail order as well. There's an on the internet because there's such an incredible range available to gardeners these days. If you're not quite sure when to sow, for a lot of the hardy vegetables, you can tell when the soil is warm enough for your seeds to germinate once you've noticed the weeds starting to grow. So if it's warm enough for the weeds, it'll be fine for the seeds. But if you want to avoid all the faff of seed sowing or just don't have the time, then go and buy the plants from the garden centre. And of course, if you grow them that way, then you've saved yourself time, particularly after a cold spring like we've had, but also saved yourself all the chance of will they germinate or won't they? And oh, I've got to rush back early from work to make sure I water the plants. Any worries have gone. You get straight to the growing plants. Now that is gardening made easy. Our thanks to Matthew Biggs. And you can find more tips and advice on growing your own fruit and vegetables on the Grow Your Own pages of the RHS website. Here you can also find video guides to key jobs in the garden. You're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. If you're taking a break from working in the garden or fancy some garden-based activities further afield, on the 13th of April, there's a beginner's propagation course at the RHS Garden at Harlow Carr. And on the 10th of April at the RHS Garden Rosemore, there's a walk looking specifically at trees for small gardens. On the 20th to 21st of April at the RHS Garden Hyde Hall, there's an opportunity to join a planting demonstration on mini meadows. With Hyde Hall's Andrew Hellman, he'll be giving a session on using and planting wildflowers. The sessions are at 11.30am and 1pm. Or you could plan a visit to one of our RHS plant shows. As well as being the perfect place to get expert advice and guidance from growers, plant shows give gardeners the opportunity to see, smell and touch plants in full bloom so that you can find inspired choices for planting in your own garden. The RHS London Orchid and Botanical Art Show, featuring orchids galore and exquisite botanical art, is on April the 12th and 13th in the Lawrence Hall, Westminster, London. The RHS Flower Show in Cardiff is on from the 19th to the 21st of April. And tickets are also available on our website for the magnificent RHS flower shows at Hampton Court Palace and Tatton Park in Cheshire, both taking place in July. Details of all these events, as always, are on the website at rhs.org.uk. If you're 
you're a regular listener to the RHS Gardening podcast, you will already know that once a month our experts from the advisory team here at RHS Garden Wisley are on hand to answer your gardening questions. Well, this week we travelled with the team to the RHS Great London Plant Fair at the Royal Horticultural Halls in Westminster, where they answered a wide range of queries from visitors to the event. Here's RHS advisors Tony Dickerson and Rebecca Mealy. Hello, Holly from South London. I've just started my first vegetable garden and I'm worried that the seedlings going to get eaten by slugs and snails. What can I do to protect them? Right, um, young seedlings are just what every slug or snail is uh, looking out for in the spring. And particularly after a very wet year like we've had, the population of slugs and snails is certainly very high. So it's certainly something that you have to bear in mind. One of the secrets is instead of sowing seed direct which you have to do with things like carrots and parsnips but a lot of other crops it's often a good idea to sow the seed in modules little plug trays grow the seedlings on until they're you know two three inches high if you then transplant those out into your garden or into your raised bed they're much bigger and they're much more capable of sustaining the odd attack from a slug or snail beyond that really you need to just pay a, a attention perhaps a regular inspection at night with a torch uh, just when most of the damage will be done you can remove them by hand but there's also uh, little tricks like beer traps or lager traps which are uh, can be put down and the slugs and snails are drawn to them uh, there are various chemicals but a lot of people these days don't, don't want to use the traditional pellets and there is a, a relatively new product based on uh, various uh, phosphate uh, which is more of an organic treatment less harmful to a range of wildlife um, ferrous obviously refers to iron and phosphate is a fertilizer so it's not particularly good for the slugs and snails but certainly uh, will, won't harm a whole range of uh, helpful wildlife in the garden we have a, a question here from uh, Nikki Lunn from Norwich. Um, quite timely with uh, who would imagine that we'd be getting heavy snow uh, in late spring. But uh, she's asking uh, if uh, she, how she can actually tell if the recent snow has damaged her plants. She's particularly worried about a bay tree in a pot. Now, we have had problems with bay trees with some of the recent winters. Yeah, we, definitely. Yeah, well, with bays, what hap- tends to happen is the tips of the leaves start to brown and it starts to you know, travel up the, the actual leaf. Um, best thing to do is just to, to leave it for the moment and it's probably until May time and you'll start to see it actually breaking further back in the actual um, shrub and then you can prune it back then. Um, the other problem is with snowfall is if making sure and remembering to actually dust the snow off so the snow doesn't sit on the the actual shrubs and break branches or actually destroy the actual shape um, of the of the plant Um, the other thing that can happen in pots is if they've got too much snowfall they can sit too wet so it's remembering to put your have your pots a little bit elevated so they've got the drainage and, and then maybe just having a look at the actual health of the pot in the springtime maybe repotting topping the pot uh, and then, but you know they're pretty resilient bay trees. They're tough things. They I mean, most plants, because it's such a late spring, haven't made much growth. Certainly, herbaceous plants, and the, the snow will just blanket them and cause very little problem. Even hellebores and so on, and some of the early daffodils, which have made some growth. Uh, best with those just to leave them as the snow melts. They'll gradually recover. Uh, but as Becky says, it's possibly with some of the shrubs. Um, 
I've got an upright camellia, which if you allow snow to collect, the branches just split away very easily. So you just need to be aware of that, either clear the snow away, or if you're forewarned, possibly gather the branches up and just loosely tie them, uh, just to protect from the worst of the snow. But uh, as I say, certainly very unseasonable weather for this time of year. I'm Carol Laker from Orpington. I have a question for you, please. We've recently had a grandson, and we'd like a plant with the name Ben in. He's called Ben, so if you can find me one, that would be lovely, because then we can take it along, it can be planted, and something that will last, I hope. That, that's great. We, we get asked this very often, and it would be something that normally would be very difficult to actually do, trying to trace a, a plant with a particular name. But, but fortunately, the, the RHS has online its plant finder on the RHS website, uh, www.rhs.org.uk you go to plants along the top menu line click on plant finder and then you have a box and it's very simple if we do it here we just tap in the name ben and we find that there's 29 different plants that has have been somewhere in the the name some of those won't be very suitable but just looking for example we start off with agapanthus and the one we've got here is Ben Hope. But if we scroll down further, we find something that might be a bit more suitable to, say, commemorate someone or to, to mark uh, the birth of a grandchild. And that's Malus domestica, which is an apple, an eat, eating apple. And in this case, it's one called Ben's Red. So that's a plant you could source. Again, if we look at the plant finder here, we're told there's five suppliers. And it's something that you could perhaps order for the autumn plant in the uh, early winter and that's a tree which will perhaps have a lifespan of 80 90 100 years ahead of it and each year hopefully will produce a splendid crop of ben's red apples thank you that's lovely a question here from uh, anna heath and uh, stanley who's age seven we don't have any comment about anna's age but they're from exeter she mentions that every year her son has a or rather the school, has a competition to see who can grow the tallest sunflower. Um, how can he grow a giant? Ooh, I, th- I think it's the case of getting started nice and early, um, actually choosing a really good stock, so you know, not using seed that you've used from last year, actually using fresh stock each year. Um, probably individually sowing the seeds so it's not got competition from the start, so it's each seed's got its own pot that it's grown in. And then also when you're actually transplanting the seed is to make sure that you plant it deeper. So what you'll have is the first two leaves you have are the seed leaves. And actually by when you're replanting, plant it to the depth of the, just below the seed leaves. So you're putting the actual, the new stem below the ground. And that kind of gives it a bigger root system. So it's going to have a nice big anchoring system. So it's nice and going to be a nice sturdy plant for you. And I guess the other thing, obviously... Uh, you need to prepare the soil very well, possibly the autumn before, digging in plenty of well-rotted manure or garden compost, whatever you can get your hands on. Nice sunny spots, as the name implies, they're going to grow much better in, in sun and much stronger. And the main thing, once you get them going, guard against slugs and snails who will love the opportunity to have a go at a, a young sunflower. But once they get going, it's watering and feeding throughout the summer, Uh, liquid feed as well as plenty of water occasional bit of granular fertilizer Uh, what you're looking here is to produce something as a 
tall and bloated and blousy as possible. So yeah, the you more you put in, yeah, <laughs> the, the better the result. Tony Dickerson and Rebecca Mealy from the RHS Advisory Team. Don't forget that the RHS Advisory Service is free for all RHS members and you can contact them via phone, email and post or why not come in and meet them in person at one of the RHS shows. If you'd like details on how you can become a member of the RHS, just go to rhs.org.uk forward slash join. Well, that's almost it for this edition of the RHS podcast. If you have any comments on this week's programme, you can email us at podcast at rhs.org.uk. But before we go, we have just enough time for another one of our plant passions. This week, we caught up with plantsman and avid horticulturalist George Anderson, MBE, to hear about his favourite flowers. I'm George Anderson, and I'm a member of the RHS Council. For a number of years, I have been growing narcissus, or daffodils, for showing. I grow them in pots, where I can display them as uh, potted groups, or a pot of daffodils, and that is put on the show bench. I also grow them from, I, I buy bulbs from specialist growers, and I grow them for cut flower. And there is a huge competition, rivalry, camaraderie amongst those of us who do this. The Royal Caledonian Horticultural Society in Scotland has a spring show at the end of March. And it is always a challenge for me to prepare flowers for that particular time. We start the process in October, the previous year. Buying the bulbs, planting them, putting them in a plunge and growing them Uh, or leaving them in the plunge over winter. Now, a plunge is where you basically dig a hole and you bury the whole pot and cover it with about three or four inches of an old growing media or a compost. That way, the bulbs develop their root system in complete cool and dark conditions. Remember what Granny used to do with the hyacinths, putting them into a cupboard in the, in, the, in the house, and they were watered and they were never let out until it was near Christmas? Well, it's the same idea. We're growing the plants in a cool, dark place to get the root systems developed before we take them out. I release mine from the plunge round about Burns night, but then I'm a Scot and that's happy and a grand time to do it. Others do it round about Valentine's Day. And that gives you round about six to eight weeks to prepare those bulbs for the show. Once they come out, you have then got to pamper them or pimp them in order to get them to look straight at the judge and to be at their best. You will have seen agricultural uh, folks brushing up the the feathers on the, the hooves of horses You will have seen them shampooing cattle. Well, I tell you that it is no different when it comes to preparing daffodils for a show. Gosh, do I set myself some goals. George Anderson, MBE. So that's it for this edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast. Next time, we'll have an exclusive guided tour of RHS Garden Hyde Hall in Essex with curator Ian Legros. We'll meet the garden team to get insights into the new additions to the garden and the secrets of their stunning displays. Until then, from me, Jan Lambourne, and the team here at RHS Garden Wisley, goodbye.
I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.